show how a fifth-generation local family firm is still going strong. And we're going up on the roof for bite-sized pieces of history and ancestry. Welcome to Let's Talk Property, sponsored by Callaway Sales and Letting Agents. I'm Heather Hilda Darling and I have a real treat for you today. In the studio with me is my co-host, James Duffy. James, I've just promoted you from resident guest. And my special guest and low-king roofing specialist, Gavin DeMario. Hello and ciao, James and Gavin. Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> Are you all right, Gavin? Yes, doing very well, thank you. Marvellous. So let's begin. Yesterday, I put an Instagram poll asking Brighton and Hove, if your flat roof is leaking, i.e. the flat roof on your extension garage or porch, who do you call? And there were two choices, DIY or specialist. Guess what? 100% specialist, one hands down. Does this surprise you, Gavin? Well, it does actually, because quite often people do try and repair them themselves and uh, then they repair it again and again and again and then eventually get a specialist <laughs> in. So um, oh. it does surprise me, it, but it's good. It's good to see. Well, maybe we had 100% roofers um, answering the poll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, possibly. <laughs> so, Gavin, uh, thank you for joining us today. I'm absolutely intrigued by your uh, story. Um, I'd love to start with the ancestry. Of course, a lot of us are heavily into our ancestry now, aren't we? So can you tell me a little bit about your Italian roots? Yeah, yes, certainly. I, I like to tell everyone at every opportunity. So <laughs> quite often a, a routine quote. Um, can last a long time just because I start, you know, going on about my heritage. But, oh, so the beginning all starts with Pietro, Pietro de Mario. Um, he come from a small town in Italy called Atina. This was in about 1898. He decided um, they couldn't stay in his village with his young love, his wife-to-be, Antoinetta. Um, they had to leave. They had to leave and find a new place to live. So they travelled and they ended up in Brighton. Um, it's where they were married in 1899, and um, and here we are now, five generations later, in the same town, doing the same thing. Do you know how they travelled from Italy to Brighton? Um, I don't have a lot of details, but it was it was mainly that they they come across from France. They got the boat from France. That's how they actually got from ah. from Italy to England. But um, it was it's mainly on foot, mainly on foot and and horse you know it was there wasn't many cars and coaches back then in 1898 <laughs> so uh, yeah not as easy as today no and you said Atina where is Atina in Italy okay it's it's a small village kind of in between Rome and Naples but the nearest place people would know would be Lazio that would be the main place that people would be able to to find football it. club isn't there in Lazio Yes, there is. Yeah, very famous. Ah, so. there you go. <laughs> and actually, that's quite south in, in Italy, isn't it? So they would have travelled, yes. well, thousands of miles to get to northern France. Presumably it was northern France. I don't have a lot of details about that, but I believe no. it took nearly a year in total. It took, oh, wow. took nearly a year because they left oh. in, they left at the beginning of 1898 and ended mm -hmm. at the end of the year. Well, of course, um, was the mar the marina wasn't built in eighteen ninety nine, was it? Where would they have landed? 
I don't know where they actually, you know, arrived, but it was Brighton. That was their first, that was the first town they settled in, in Brighton. Mm -hmm. So that's where they made their home. I I think there was some sort of a port in Kemp Town. Um, I'd need to go back into the history a little bit more, but I'm pretty sure there was some sort of port or marina in Kemp Town. So um, I think you said that they arrived in the 1800s in Kemp Town. What, What do we think they would have found there? And what did they do when they got there? Well, when they arrived, they spoke little to no English at all. And mm-hmm. at the time, um, it, it was hard to just walk into a, a normal job. So mm. it would have been the first thing they did to generate money was um, was busking. They were street musicians. That's that's how they, uh, you know, they, they earned their money. And that's that's the first thing they did when they arrived. They, oh, they what instruments really did they options. play then? I believe it was the violin, and there's a famous photo, not with my great-great-grandfather, but another famous Italian family, the, the Marc Antonios. And um, the, I've got a few of the photos, but down at the bottom of North Street, it's a very, very famous Brighton photo of uh, one playing uh, a cello, one playing a violin, and very famous, very, very famous Brighton photo. Mm-hmm. But um, this is what they did, and what... The Mark Antonios, they was actually at the wedding of my great great grandfather. So, and I've got the wedding certificate. I got that recently from the town hall. Oh. So, and it's listed. One of the witnesses is uh, Thomas Mark Antonio. So, and I believe oh. he's the uh, yeah the, the musician in the photo. But um, they used to play on the pleasure boats. It used to be a pleasure boat going up and down the seafront, down to Worthing and back. Uh, mm-hmm. They used to play on that and, and just play in the street, trying to earn earn some money, to support oh, their family. Gosh. Amazing. So did they have any children by now? They practically as soon as they arrived and, uh, you know, they was married. They started uh, having some children. Mm-hmm. Um, they had lots of sons and daughters. Um, mm-hmm. they, they all remained in Brighton um, until the start of the war. But, um, yeah, it was a very large family. You know, it's just that's what a lot of Italians did. They had large families back then. But, um, they did indeed. Yes, absolutely. I think it was seven sons, seven sons and two daughters they actually had. Wow, seven sons and two daughters. And did they follow in the footsteps of um, their father and mother? Um, all of the sons did. All of the sons become Ashfelt. They joined the Ashfelt trade. Um, uh-huh. Lots of them served in the in the uh, in the British Army during the war, um, and then after that, they returned to the Ashfelt trade. Right. That's amazing. And I mean, this asphalt, I've always thought it was like something, yes, you put down on roofs. But you were talking to me about mastic asphalt. What on earth is mastic asphalt? Well, mastic asphalt is its its full title. Um, It's derived from oil. uh, It's refined and they add limestone to it. They add some granite chippings. And hey, presto, you've got mastic asphalt. Um, you heat it up in a cauldron or a mixer. Um, when it's at the right temperature, you can lay it on a roof or a balcony or anywhere that needs waterproofing. Um, it's laid with wooden floats. Uh, it's laid in multiple coats. And once it's finished, you have a perfectly watertight surface that will last 60 years. So, yeah, that's that's Mastic Asphalt. It, it originally, it come from Trinidad. Trinidad Did and Tobago, it? the tar lakes, mm-hmm. yeah, used to be imported, but it's manufactured now. But um, that's where it originally come from. 
Because I understood that a typical Ashfelt shingle roof lasts from 20 to 25 years, but now you're telling me these, this mastic Ashfelt will last 60 years. That's quite a big difference, isn't it? Well, a, a standard flat roof in mastic Ashfelt, would, its lifespan would be about 30 years. But same, but same with anything. If it's maintained and looked after, you can easily achieve many, many more years. So um, a shingled roof would typically be an American roofing system. It's like little squares um, mm -hmm. layered similar to tiles. But um, mm. yeah, Master Cashville is the it's, it's the Rolls Royce of flat roofing. So, uh, <laughs> I love that. The Rolls yeah. Royce of flat roofing. <laughs> Brilliant. <Yeah. laughs> um, now, I know a lot of um, homeowners during lockdown have been trying to get their houses and their gardens in order. And of course, you know, we just heard um, whether people would do DIY roof repairs. And you're probably very happy to hear that no, a lot of them would leave it to the specialists. Have you had any incidences where people have tried to do their own maintenance on a flat roof and have ended up calling you out? Yes, many times. There's lots of people try um, stuff out of a tin, paint on liquid stuff to temporary seal a roof and um, many examples of DIY and uh, people having a go themselves. And, you know, uh, although well-meaning, um, it, you know, it, it's a trade. You know, it's not something you can just learn overnight. It takes a long time to learn and, you know, it needs to be done by professionals. And, it, you know, it's quite dangerous and being on a roof is quite dangerous. So you need to be uh, fully uh. trained. So where did your training come from, Gavin? Who did you learn from? Well, I was taught by my father. I was taught by uh -huh. my father how to, uh, you know, lay mastic Asheville and, and do roofing. Um, I attended uh, Hackney College. Um, they, it's the only college in England that teaches mastic Asheville in. Um, it's a, it's a three-year course. Um, uh, you, you do part of college, part on site. And um, in total, it's four years. It, it takes four years to become a Mastic Ashfelter. Um, and yeah, that's the last one. And it's the only one in Europe. That's it. <laughs> Hackney, oh. Hackney Community College. So do yes. people come from all over, over Europe to come and try and learn these skills? It's, yes, they do. It's the only place. It's the only place. It's it's a very niche trade now. Um, yes. It's very hard work. There's lots of new roofing systems that, you know, you can you can learn in a couple of days. Um, but, you know, it's um, it's tried and tested. So it's it's something mm. I'm passionate about and stick with. Well, we've got lots of old properties in Brighton and Hove and further afield in Sussex, haven't we? So no doubt, you know, your skills are really, really needed to, to continue with the, uh, you know, the, the look and feel of a property. It is. And, and not all roofs are completely square and level and, and simple and straightforward, especially in places like Kemp Town, um, <laughs> where, some, where some of the buildings are, are literally hundreds of years old and had yeah. many additions and extensions and very odd shaped roofs with pipes and you name it. So that's why we stick with Master Cashfelt, because it's because um, it's formed with a float mm. while it's hot. We can put the asphalt onto any shape so yeah we've had some very tricky roofs in the past but um it's all interesting <laughs> now so how often do you think you should have as a homeowner how often should you have your flat roof inspected um it's worth it's worth maybe once a year depending on you know has it got trees growing over it um it, you know does it does it suffer 
the water from a pitched roof, but just checking the gutters, just just basic maintenance, really. It, it doesn't need anything doing to it once it's installed. You know, mm. once a good flat roof's installed, you've got a, a good 20 years there at least. So, you know, just maybe once a year, just, you know, give it a look over, see what's happening. Oh, that's that's. I think I'm going to have to put an appointment in my book, Gavin. Um, I live in a property. I've been there 22 years now. We've got a pitched roof. I've got huge ilex trees outside the house, um, which you know deposit ilex leaves and all sorts of stuff. And I'm beginning to feel rather nervous about my roof on my porch there. So, <laughs> um, so how does the winter weather compare with spring or summer weather in affecting? the roof a pit, um, not a pitched roof a flat roof well as soon as autumn hits and the leaves are coming off the trees and the birds have finished nesting the most common problem is gutters getting blocked valley gutters and uh, outlets they get blocked and then you get water standing on the roof but um yeah the summer and the winter they have their different issues different issues mm -hmm. affecting flat roofs but um yeah, as, as long as it's maintained, it's, you know, they last. They, they do yeah. last. But um, it's mainly the heavy downpours that affect uh, the roofs. Right. OK. So what would you suggest is the best time of year? I mean, you know, obviously I use the um, example of a, a flat roof leaking. Um, so if you have regular inspections, what sort of time of year would you suggest going into autumn or coming out of winter? Well, I would only like to install roofs in the autumn because it's not too hot, it's not too yeah. cold, and uh, it's it's fine. But it, there, there isn't really an ideal time. There isn't really an ideal time. Most domestic roofs, um, even large ones, can be installed within a few days. Um, so th there's no real ideal time. But maybe maybe in winter, where you know when it's extremely rainy, you wouldn't want to take on a a large project completely taking yeah. off someone's roof but you know we we would only ever strip up what we could waterproof in a day so it doesn't really affect it in the grand scheme of things so you don't need tarpaulins over it unless it's suddenly you know a great british summer it suddenly starts <laughs> <laughs> you know well, falling down we always do keep a few spare tarps in the vans just in case <laughs> of that because you know you can the weather reports are, uh, you know, to be taken with a pinch of salt, especially exactly. On the coast, They're so. a bit fickle as well, aren't they? Absolutely. Yes. So, um, if I'm if I need to get um, a roofer in, what sort of things should I do to make the most of getting a good job done? How, how should I go about calling a roofer, choosing a roofer? You know, where's the best place to get advice? Well. <laughs> The best place to find a roofer would be um, to call me. But other than calling <laughs> me, it would um, just just uh, just basic due diligence. You know, check their yeah. local, check their local, check maybe they have a landline. Um, see previous examples of work. Check that they've got liability insurance. Um, you know, speak to some recent customers. Any any good roofer will be proud of their work and happy to show you. Um, you'll you'll get reviews. And, and people letting you know what they've done so just do a bit of basic due diligence you know just um, mm -hmm. check check the basics and uh, um, you know never give deposits no company needs deposits because 
any roofer that's established, they'll have merchants, you know, so they uh-huh. don't actually need any money. Maybe maybe on a giant loft conversion, you might need stage payments set up. But even then, you don't need money before you start work. So uh-huh. never hand over money. Um, and check check what guarantees come with the roofs because, you know, all, all, a guarantee is, is a nice thing to have. All new work we do is, is guaranteed. So, And that's materials and a company guarantee. So a bit of peace okay. of mind there. So somebody just walking up to the house, knocking on the front door and saying, hello, Gov, we've got some spare time. We notice your flat roof needs attention. What would you tell the homeowner to do in that situation? I would t- I would say take you know just just do your checks do your checks it, nobody needs to really cold call in the, in this day and age with social media and you know the way things are but you know I've done this in the past I've given out leaflets you know I've been out and you know when I was trying to drum up some business you know I, I've done this myself knocked on doors or I see a damaged asphalt roof and put a card through or maybe we we're working next door to somebody you know I've done this myself but you know we're all my guys wear uniform you know we've got a website we've got liability insurance and you know we just give people peace of mind really that we're an established company doing good work Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, what? Just take me through a typical. How long would it take to do a general over a porch flat roof? I mean, what what would happen? Talk me through what you would do. How would you go about it? Okay. Well, I'll give you an example from this this week. Um, a house in Withdean. They've got a uh, a garage and a side extension. Um, we'd arrive. We'd arrive. Set up our plant have the materials delivered um we'd strip off the old roof you know check the decking make sure everything's sound and solid um we'd start installing the new roofing system um this particular garage and side extension it was about 45 square meters um this was started and completed over the period of two days so you know quite a lot of roof um you know renewed but um, you know, it varies. It varies on the detail of the roof. Every roof's not the same. So you know, this was only a single story. The access was very easy, um, and we had some really good guys there. So, um, but for a domestic extension or a domestic flat roof, you, you're only looking at a couple of days, really, um, and that would be to completely renew it. So, um, not long, really. Not long. Okay. Now we're coming out of a really long period in lockdown, aren't we? We know that um, Build UK has said that materials are uh, have been in short supply. Have has your business been affected at all, Gavin? Um, yes. Yeah. Quite badly. Uh, we we did not have a business. It it just stopped. It it just ground to a halt because our suppliers were shut. Um, a lot of our materials are quite specialised. So although you know some builders merchants were open we wasn't able to purchase felt or asphalt and some of the other bits so we do have stores at our yards for bits and pieces but other than some emergency roofing we we couldn't really work it it really did affect us in a bad way but um you know we did the best we could and we tried to help our customers with the emergency bits and pieces but we we couldn't complete re-roofs while uh, while it was all going on Mm-hmm. Well, and Roofing Today reports that um, in construction there are 30 fatal averages um, in, sorry, there are, yeah, there are about 30 fatal injuries every year. And actually, 
that sounds an awful lot to me. Um, and also the um, reporting of injuries, diseases and dangerous occurrences regulations says that figures for deaths from falls of height, uh, one of which includes roofing, show 28 fatalities, 15 employed and 13 self-employed roofers. Um, you obviously have to take your uh, liability and your health and safety very, very consciously, don't you, Gavin? Yes, we do. Um, luckily, we, we've never had anything like that happen in the, well, in the whole time our family have been working. No one's ever had a very serious accident. But um, see, we're a small family business, but we still take health and safety free. You know, it's very, very important. Um, yeah. When we have new guys come and work with us, that they are trained, you know, they are supervised. Nobody's left alone. Just basics, you know, wear high vis, wear your hard hats, wear your boots, wear your gloves. You know, nobody wants to wear any of that stuff, but you have to. It's as simple as that. It is a very, very dangerous trade. Very dangerous mm. trade. So. Oh yes, it is absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, apart from the fact that if you don't like heights, if you've got a fear of heights, w w why would you put yourself through going on a roof for a start? Um, do you often have to put scaffolding up for things like flat roofs? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And I actually lose a fair bit of work because um, lots of people, they get a big ladder, they just put it up the side of a house and replace a few slates and tiles. And we, we just don't do that anymore. Um, it's, you know, it doesn't cost a lot of money for scaffolding, believe it or not. Um, and it, it's just not worth taking the risk. You know, it's, mm. it's as simple as that. So mm. a lot of the smaller jobs we do lose out on, but, um, you, you just, there's no option. You have to have scaffolding. It's mm. as simple as that, really. This is the world of... Radio Reverb. Wonderful. I can I can feel James is itching to ask you some questions. <laughs> I, I nearly now. interrupted then. <laughs> I know, I know you did, and I thought, be quiet, Heather. Let James in. James, you have the floor. <laughs> Hello, James. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating listening to you, um, Gavin. I mean, and uh, just before going to the sort of, I want to chat to you about you know all the sort of safety elements that you have to consider, and and it leads on from the fact that the customers need to appreciate that when you do quote for a job and you give your you know your fixed price, you're you're pricing it. I would imagine to ensure that the whole thing's done not only correctly and with longevity, but it, it's done safely. And uh, it was the it was the ladder thing that uh, got my attention because um, I was going to ask you myself, you know, how many customers you know come back to you and say well you know surely you can just get you know do that job on, on a ladder which would bring my costs down slightly um it was interesting you said that the, the scaffolding isn't that expensive now so um that is that is an obstacle that you do face with with customers on quotes then yeah um it can make a massive difference for oh. just just as an example say you had a firewall and you needed the lead replacing and a bit of rendering bits and pieces like that that job might be around i don't know if you, if you said around 1500 pound worst worst oh. case scenario if you need a scaffold that's going to cost four or five hundred pound oh. that drastically changes the price of that work oh. now you know it's it, you know in the past you know people work different ways and well that's the way we've always done it well oh. it's not an option anymore you you just you just can't now there is a difference between you know safely putting a ladder up and maybe replacing a tile but you just you just can't take risks it's as simple no. as that no so i mean um there is uh, i think that generally the 
the day-to-day stuff work that I do with with clients and also building management and people m- maintain their properties I, I think people get frightened of flat roofs um, I think that when they see it within the building they're maybe going to buy in or the building that they're managing they think that it's going to have a it's going to be a bit more of a money pit than, than more of a, a, a conventional you know pitch tiled roof um, and how do you advise people of of the fact that rather than um patching up maybe a bit of an issue that it's better to you know deal with it and strip it right back and get it done properly i mean what what advice would you give people to not do a short-term fix well many times we've we've quoted for works and we get asked well is there something you can just do temporarily now sometimes there are options to do a temporary repair but then you get into a cycle of continuous temporary repairs and you think well look we these free temporary repairs nearly add up to the renewal of the roof Mm -hmm. Um, it is hard it is very hard flat roofing has got a bit of a bad reputation because you know lots of people have a go at it use cheap materials don't Mm. install it thoroughly and then it doesn't last and Mm. you know like even a garage roof sometimes we do garage roofs and Mm a garage roof even though it's a humble garage it's still a roof and if you do it mm. properly you're going to get 25 years out of it mm-hmm. yeah i don't think that message is out there enough because uh that's why i wanted to sort of revisit and touch it on it more because you know by the the things that you've discussed this morning you know that it sounds like you know if it's done correctly with the right products and with the right obviously trades uh, uh company and people then you know people can probably get quite a lot of longevity and good value for money from it you know and uh, people listening probably need to make sure they are really asking the right questions and hopefully they are going to use you <laughs> but you know when they are looking to instruct a contract so it seems like you know it is possible to get that job done you know uh without having to keep revisiting it which is good no that's it and brighton yeah. is blessed with lots of good other roofing companies you know not mm. only my own there's uh, there's sussex Asheville. they are very mm. very long-standing firm and southern Asheville. you know long-standing decent companies you know that have got mm. very good reputations and you mm. know even when i'm busy i have no problem recommending um, the other firms because i know they'll mm. be looked after so oh that's good yeah yeah. So just um, going back to and touching on a bit more detail, I mean, c- you know, customers and also maybe companies that are looking to, res- to instruct uh, yourself, they obviously want the job done um, correctly, but uh, they need to make sure it's th- that both uh, your contractors and yourselves that are doing the work and maybe the people that are living in the building or around the building are not going to... Um, have any incidents with uh, people either injuring themselves or any of the materials that you're using uh, coming into contact with people and I just wanted to touch more on about how you do safeguard that because your product is actually hot isn't it when you're when you're applied you're saying earlier on you use a use a drum do you you have to have like a a safety permit from the council when you're actually doing this work on the side of the road within a property? Yes, sometimes we do. If if they need to suspend a bay, or um, you know, if we need to be there for a long time, we we have to apply for, you know, close the road and and stuff like that. But mm. we we use big cauldrons that are always manned. They're never they're never right. left unattended. Um, and, and that's a requirement, is it? Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just common sense, really. Yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah. There's a the Mastic Ashfelt Council. They they dictate the rules and regulations to what you need to do. But um. Um, you know, Asheville, when when it's ready to lay, it's 230 degrees Celsius. So oh. it starts off as blocks broken oh. up and then melted. So it, it is very dangerous and yeah. you need to know what you're doing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I just don't think people realise that, that that is something that you really do need to know what you're doing. So in terms of like you touched on earlier about where you had your training, how does it work now when you have your, you know, your team, you know, that you're trying to train? Is, is a lot of it being trained by yourselves, like peer training or is it, are you, people go off and still get trained, specialised in, in, this, in this area to make sure they're doing things safely and correctly? Well, we, we keep an eye on the guys and we have just very basic toolbox talks, you know, just every right. now and again, have a little run through. Maybe we've got a new guy starting with us and just, you know, the routines and the processes, just just keep everyone up to speed and, you know, make sure everyone's yeah. got their high vis and everyone's on the same page with what we're doing. Yeah. Well, that's good, you know, because, you know, there's people listening and, and companies that might want to use you. They, they, there's so many requirements they have to make sure they've ticked off before they engage the services of a, of any contractor, but specifically roofing contractors where you are working at a height generally and you're using products that, um, you know, need uh, more attention, that they have the confidence that um, the people that are doing the job are, um, you know, really up to speed. Um, yeah. We, we this is probably aspects. a silly question, Gavin, but how on no, earth... No questions are what, silly. Go ahead. <laughs> what do you use to measure 230 degrees centigrade? Well, we just use a, a thermometer that we point at the asphalt. So <laughs> we, oh. you, you don't use a, like a home temperature one, but um, mm. just, uh, just, just a handheld temperature, handheld oh, thermometer. Wow. But, mm -hmm. um, but mostly, mostly it's, it's the potman. The potman, it's a trade within itself. He controls the cauldrons, the asphalt, the gas. He he, he makes because you need it at different temperatures for different sections of the roof. So yeah. it's his job, his job to control the temperatures and make sure it's the right consistency for the different aspects of the roof. So you know the flat. Hey, I can't eat I can't even bake a batch of flapjacks without <laughs> ruining them. So how on earth you manage to do this, I don't know. I know. I I get comments like this from my wife about cooking, so it's <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah. How do you manage so, big asphalt pots but you can't even sort beans and toast out? So there we go. <laughs> so so what sort of sorry James, just to but to butt no, in here, on, but yeah, you know yeah. what I'm like. What yeah. sort of um, protective equipment? Can you, I know you said it at the beginning, but can you just take us through, for example, what you would expect to wear on top, uh, you know, as well as the, the boots and everything? The most important item are knee pads. That's the most important item. Uh, just protect your knees. You're on your knees all day long, but um, safety boots, trousers. Um, it's the only trade where you'll never see an asphalt wearing shorts just because the asphalt is hot. You need to be oh, protected yeah. at all times. Um, long sleeve t-shirts, uh, gloves, um, goggles, hard hat, base, basic PPE, but um, it's especially essential for uh, for doing asphalting but um although it does sound very dangerous one good selling point is um it's flame free installation there's mm. there's no flames on the roof so you know there, there is a, a cauldron or a cooker outside mm. but actually in the property or on the property there's there's no flames at all so zero risk of fire so maybe um felt you know like the rolls of felt you install that's mm -hmm. installed with a gas gun quite often and that's you know that's quite dangerous but no that's one of my good selling points for mastic ash felt flame free installation mm. yeah that's true yeah marvelous James, carry on. Sorry, I rudely interrupted you. No, that's okay. So, um, in terms of, um, you know, you, do you, do you, 
do you have much sort of dealings with like uh, surveyors who are looking to because like some homeowners or some building companies will be doing projects where they've got surveyors that uh, are coming to you know sign off the you know the, the, the quality of the work or the the staging of the work and do you, do you would you get would you get involved with that to help the client if they had a particular big job going on Yes, we do. Sometimes yep. we work directly for surveyors. Sometimes we need to send reports on roofs. Uh, mm. They ask our opinion on, on different bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, we deal with surveyors, sometimes architects. Um, mm. But at, at the design stage now, um, Asheville is not actually favoured very much. It's a very old school niche trade. So a lot of the new modern systems are, are favoured. But I, um, right. you know, I, I, I don't really like them because any roofing system that you can learn in a morning at a merchant's or off a YouTube video, I don't really class as a proper roofing system. So no. <laughs> there we go. It's, it's interesting, isn't it, how things uh, you know move in a certain direction, and it, it, time will only tell if it if it actually stands up. You know, and people will be looking back, thinking, "Well, maybe we shouldn't have moved away." You know. Yeah. Well, quite often um, we strip up GRP roofs or rubber roofs. Um, now, if installed by a quality installer that them systems do work and they are reliable mm. but the difference is anybody installing uh, an asphalt flat roof they, they, they've been to college for four years they're, they're a, a you know they're a, it's a craft really even mm. more than a trade so it's very unlikely you'll ever get a new asphalt roof being ripped up very rarely mm. Yeah, it's interesting that what you have to go back and maybe take up from other products, and then and then people are then opting for the Asheville option. Yeah, when they, when it comes, all they that's what that's what they're calling well, you for. That's that's what we're sort of up against now because GRP roofs it, it's a paint on system, and mm. anybody can do it. You you yourself today can go into a merchant, buy the materials, and going in uh, tomorrow you can start up as a roofer. That's right. it. No, he's not doing it. I need him in the office. <laughs> But, but my point being that, you know, there's no barriers to entry. Tomorrow, no. you want to be a roofer, you're a roofer. Tomorrow, yeah. you can't just become an ash shelter. It's, no. it's it's just, it's not possible. And I do mean, you think, think the public think... are aware of all of this as well, Go? I mean, this is the trouble, isn't it? If the, if the public haven't got the information they need to make, um, you know, the right decisions, um, it makes life very difficult. Well, it really is. I'll give the example um, cars and, and, and engines. I, I don't know anything about an engine. So I rely on the mechanic telling me mm. what needs to be done and what's wrong. Mm. It's the same with roofing. If, if you don't know, you have to rely on the roofer. And, you know, it's it's a lot about trust. And, you know, it's it's, it's hard. It's very hard. It's, you know, it's a very I mean, that's why I was deal. saying... That's what I was saying about surveyors and people like that, because they're the ones that, that clients would maybe look towards. And if they if they have a different view on the benefits of this product or other products, they sort of be pushed in that direction. And, you know, you've only got to talk to somebody that's lived in a property that's had a roof continuously leaking that to realise the importance of doing your doing your due diligence on uh, someone that's uh, gone and applied a bit of paint from the merchants in an afternoon. For, and, and how long is that going to cost? Uh, it might be a short-term cot saving, but it be you spend a lot more inside when it all starts going wrong, um, versus um, you know something of a bit more longevity and quality. And it's making sure people have got access to the right information, really. Yeah, um, it really is. It really mm. is. And I think because of bad installers, people, you know, they're reluctant. They're, they're, they're reluctant to uh, to maybe get it redone and do go for the cheaper repair option. Yeah. No, I've I've been involved with people talking to me about the same thing. That's why I raised it early. You know, they, you know, and it's, it's sometimes it's 
you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it seems so wrong to start a game, but it is better in the long run, you know, but um, people get conflicting messages about what is the right product and even just our chat today, you know, it just seems there's quite a bit of choice out there. And if they're calling the wrong people, they're going to push the product that they are working with at the time that maybe not yeah. necessarily be right for their building, you know. No, well, I don't always recommend Asheville, actually. No, um, well, that's you know, good. Every roof is different, and sometimes mm. uh, you need, you know, you might need felt or, or something else. But, um, mm. you know, we do all aspects of roofing, and I do just try and suit the system to the, the sort of client's needs, because every roof is very different. Mm-hmm. Cool. Who would have thought there's so many different things to talk about, about flat roofing <laughs> and all, all the things involved? <laughs> I, I'm absolutely astonished. I'm sat here... Well, you, you, you know I haven't been butting in too much, James, but mm. I have been absolutely <laughs> intrigued by all of this. I didn't realise there was quite so much involved. Um, I mean, obviously, I've just had a brand new pitched roof put on um, my house at home. Um, and that was bad enough. Uh, it took months and months to get all the materials and everything. I've got a flat roof above the porch. Um, mm. But I'm I'm amazed at how much, and especially the fact that you you know you went to a specific college to learn all of this, mm. Hackney Community College, wasn't it? Um, so can, can I can I take over now, James, for a little uh, yes, while? Yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Gavin, what are the skills, do you think, that you need to be a good roofer? Um, well, you, you need to enjoy it. You need to enjoy it because it's, you know, it, it's very hard work. Uh, it's too hot in the summer. It's too cold in the winter. Um, and you've got to have a bit of a head for heights. But um, I was going to say, you can't have vertigo, no? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. But, uh, <laughs> You know, this is this will probably make you laugh, but um, I don't actually like heights, and I am oh, scared right. of heights. Okay. <laughs> I went on the uh, the i three sixty in uh, yeah. down the Brighton seafront, and I was terrified. It, now uh-huh. I can go on a scaffold ten stories high, no problem. It's not an issue. Uh-huh. I can go on any roof, not an issue. But when I was on the i three sixty, that was a uh, yeah, that was an interesting experience. That was, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> does it does it make you more um i mean i've heard of people have said to me before well of course you shouldn't swim because if you don't swim then you won't drown um is it a bit the same with roofing or if you if you don't go up on the roof you're never going to fall off but clearly you you make sure that everything is safe before you go up you're probably far more aware as well of of you know heights and distances etc i mean there's some yeah, yeah. There, there's some scary statistics about, obviously, um, you know, kids falling off roofs, etc. Um, I, I really do worry, actually, about children on roofs because it seems such fun, doesn't it? In the summertime, you're chucking a tennis ball around or you're kicking a football and it goes up on the roof and somebody somewhere decides it's a good idea to climb up and... You know, 44% of all children's accidents, um, that's about 10 children a year die falling from a height. So that includes windows, balconies, and sometimes even from stairs. Um, So things like that, do, do you worry about children climbing onto flat roofs or going through flat roofs even? 
Um, we do, and we do have that is actually quite a common problem for us when we put scaffolding up, especially in the town, or maybe it is near a school or somewhere. Um, it, it's common, very common. That's why we have to put scaffold alarms. Get the scaffold alarm. Make sure there's no ladders left down. Um, you know, at the end of the day, because it's it's just inviting trouble, really. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, we've we've come across that lots of times. A, a fellow a roofer from Brighton. Um, had some protesters on his scaffold a month ago, and uh, yeah, it was quite a big uh, an incident in oh, Brighton. God. But it's very dangerous. It is very dangerous, and you need to take your time, be sensible, and um, you know, just uh, just. So, who would sense. be responsible for that then? So, if you if you're you're the roofer and you've instructed a, a, a scaffolding company, and there are people getting onto the scaffolding when you when uh, you're you know you finish for the day, is it is it is it does it sit in, in your responsibility if you've to make it sure is, all the alarms are on there it is yeah so it comes it's my you, responsibility yeah. it's my yeah. if if a, if i get a scaffold put up and you know we need to make sure that there's no ladders left out and yeah you have to make sure it's mm. safe or it's like a rope and wheel used to pull stuff up you know you need to mm. make sure yeah. they're secured yeah there's lots of things to be ticked off at the end of the day before you can go mm. home you go home and so your your life your insurances cover the fact that you know you've, you've got that additional risk with scaffolding within your work environment yeah yeah, covered for working with heat, working at height, um, moving rubbish, lots of different aspects of it. But, um, mm. you know, what we do is we, we f- when our day finishes, we have about a half hour, 45 minutes of, um, you know, tidying up, getting organised. Because once, once we finish working on a roof, we have to stay for an hour anyway. When you're using hot substances, um, it's just a fire regulation. You know, you can't mm. just finish and go. You have to stay for an additional hour. So, yeah, um, yeah. We use that hour just to get tidied up and organised and make sure it's left safe and tidy. Yeah, yeah so that sounds like another good skill. You know, uh, presumably you need a lot of patience to go through checklists to make sure you've collected all your tools up to make sure that, you know, the heat's gone off, etc. Um, so... If somebody was starting out, would this be something you'd recommend to a, a, a young person or actually any person who wants to be out in the fresh air doing work at height? I, w- I would highly recommend it. It's, it's been a very rewarding uh, job for me. I'd, you know, I'd, I'd, I left school at 16, um, didn't have hardly any qualifications at all and didn't really know what to do. Um, just joined the family business and it's, it's the best thing I've ever done. It's been very rewarding, made lots of good friends. And, you know, the best bit for me is just meeting different interesting people. You know, you go and work on someone's house and, you know, you have a chat and I just find it a very interesting job. And as I've said, no roof is the same. So it's always interesting what you find when you rip up an old roof, old newspapers and, and lots of lots of different things. So, yeah, I, w- I would highly recommend it. Is, would. is there an apprentice scheme for people? Is, is that something that's an option or, or is that not something that's done within that field? There is, not specifically for, for Ashfelting, but the, the CITB, um, it's a national construction scheme. Um, it's very good. Yes, there's lots of options. If you want to be an apprentice nowadays, there is. There wasn't a few years ago, but um, I have to speak quite you know quite well about that yes if you want to be an apprentice nowadays it's it, it's a lot easier than it was and there's lots of support out there that's good do you do you ask do people often ask you gavin for your insurance documents i mean obviously working in agency james and i and the team have got used to asking for um public and um, and liability cover do you have do you encourage people to ask you for yours 
Well, I, I use it as a badge of honour, really. Um, I mm. don't actually get asked uh, on domestic roofs very rarely, very rarely. But whenever we send quotes out or roof surveys, we send a little pack with examples of work and our liability. But um, when we work for letting agents and property and construction companies, it's just a given. It's the first step. They need mm. to see your liability. It's, it's the first mm. sort of uh, prerequisite, really, to doing any work for anyone. Radio Reverb. Radio Reverb. Fabulous. Um, now, I wanted to ask you, I know in America they have a National Roofing Week. Do you think we should have a National Roofing Week in the UK? <laughs> yes, yeah, we should. Yes. Yeah, give give me another excuse to uh, talk about it. So. <laughs> oh, I see. Is this one of your... Um, what do you call them? That you know, one of your hobby horses is it that you really want to get it going? Yeah, I, I love it. I, honestly, I'll, I could talk all day about it. But um, well, I, go on then. Just, You've got the opportunity here. Tell us a little bit. Well, I'm just, I'm just very proud that I'm like the fifth generation doing this. Um, you know, what started off as just basically, please go out and find some work. Pietro started, I told you, as a street musician. Then they started selling some ice cream um, and they couldn't continue that. Even back then, they had, uh, you know, regulations and they didn't have anywhere to manufacture the ice cream. They didn't have anywhere to keep it cold. And so he just went out to walk the streets and find a job. He stumbled across the asphalt trade and here we are. And I love it. You know, it's 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 different from any other trade. It really is. I think you have to be a little bit mad to be an Ashfelter, to be honest. But um, you know, it's it's. it's I can't so put hot. that down as a skill. I'm afraid madness no. required. No. no. But it's it's too hot in the summer and it's too cold in the winter. But you know, yeah. it's good fun and and the Ashfelting community. It's it's a tight one. You know, all the firms, all the other Ashfelters, everybody knows each other. Um, you all sort of look after each other, and um, yeah, it's a real nice little community. There's some some very famous and funny Ashfelters. I could tell you lots of stories, and not all of them appropriate for the radio. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a good trade. It's a good trade. <laughs> so, what what would you see National Roofing Week looking like then? What sort of things would you like to organise? The, the main thing I would say is to get rid of the rogue traders. That's the that's the number one aspect because you know mm -hmm. we don't win every job we price, and quite often people come back and say, "Look, um, we've had our roof done. We know you quoted, but ah, they've done it wrong. Can you come and help us out?" And I ask a couple of basic questions and. No liability insurance, no examples of work, and I would just really push that. You know, check, check, check the, you know, the credibility of people. That's the main thing, and and the second thing would be safety. Too many accidents happen, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's you can never be too safe. There's there's no such thing. So they're the two main things that I would push: safety mm -hmm. and just uh, do due diligence when getting in contractors. Mm -hmm. So, do you have an association at all for roofers? Is there um, a body that looks after your um, interests at all? Well, there are many. There are many very, very reputable um, trade associations and accreditations, but we've never joined any of them because my main reason is anybody can join. Um, there's no real vetting procedure. As long as you've got some money to pay the membership fees, pretty much you can join. Um, and we, we've never needed it to, to get work. We've, you know, we, we've got loyal customers. We, we've, we repair roofs that we originally installed 40, 50 years ago. 
Um, so that that's always been our angle that no, we don't really join trade associations or you know stuff like checker trade or uh, master roofers and builder stuff because um, it's a bit of a false economy really. It is nice when you see all the badges on the van, you know all the different groups you belong to, but. I think everybody's familiar with a company with brand new vans and all the nice logos, but you know, they don't really do a good job. Don't really, not very personable. And, um, you know, mm. it's not, it's not the, the, the all singing, all dancing, flashy service that's advertised. So no, well, that's the reason think, we have I, I do think, really joined. you know, the, con- the consumers and the homeowners, you know, if, if they are, if they are looking to select a, a, a company, whether it be roofing or, or any industry, I think they do look to these trade bodies and websites thinking that there is a vetting process. Um, and it's, it's, it sounds to me like it's a little bit misleading really you know because uh, to be f- you know. to be fair they do help they do help mm. and a lot of them have many important benefits they are valuable mm. they are they are mm. good but it just it should be taken with a pinch of salt and not mm. just taken as a given that because somebody is a member of an organization that automatically means that they're you know that they're, they're perfect and in, they're better than someone that's not yeah 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 mm. yeah Oh, I don't suppose forget, it's, just, it's recommendations, isn't it? Really, you know, you know, you, like is. you say, you've got lots of law customers, and I suppose, you know, they need to, they recommend their friends, their family, the neighbours see that work's been done, and they were happy with it, and that that's that that's uh, you really can't go wrong if you're going to get a recommendation, you know, word even of, as word you as mouth. a homeowner. The, yeah, that's it. Word of mouth yeah. is the most powerful form of advertising, and to be fair, I'm only a small family business. You know, there's only mm. six of us. If I was a larger company, then I would recommend joining some of the trade associations because there are benefits that you know legal cover and stuff like that so you know it it is worthwhile but just take it with a pinch of salt so gavin do you have any other family members in the business at the moment with you yes uh two of my brothers uh my father my uncle uh, work with me directly and many other um demarios are roofers and still currently work in brighton and sussex um it is pretty much a family business we we do get extra help in we do get extra subcontractors and laborers and stuff in but um it nearly always is a, a sort of a family affair so you know I've, I've just always found that you can rely on family you know they're hard working mm. they're honest how many times have you seen five tradesmen standing around and only one of them working or people on their phones all day you know so you know we all we all muck in we all work hard and we all help each other so, so. oh wonderful um so it must be I, I think you know you've done very very well there are very few businesses small businesses that last five generations so that must give you huge pride as well um how important is heritage to you? Um, very important. I, I, you know, I'm born in England. I, I don't speak Italian, but I, I really embrace my Italian heritage. Um, it, it really does mean a lot to me, and it's it's tied into Brighton. I'm a big fan of of the Brighton history and how Brighton's developed over the years. It really does mean a lot to me, and all through the generations, through the wars, my family have been here and and been through all the different changes. Um, but initially, uh, Pietro and Antoinetta, my great great grandparents, they they lived in the the slum area of Brighton, down by William Street. It was demolished; it's been rebuilt now. But it's a very famous area of Brighton with you know many books written about it and some fantastic photos and um you know that's all i have photos to look back on to this time and the 
family stories passed down and you know I, I really enjoy it and and the, the best thing is is when you talk to another family who have their stories and you find out that in some weird way you're connected you know they remember a, an anecdote or something you've mentioned like the street buskers you know I, I know very little about that and I don't have a photo of Pietro but seeing the photos of the Mark Antonio family are, are fantastic it's brilliant you know it's I really do so have you got a musical Brighton. streak in you as well Gavin um not really no <laughs> you can't not... even sing one more Cornetto <laughs> <laughs> I, I I suppose I could do that, yeah. I could I could just about do that, but uh Well very often these things run in families, don't they? And you may you may have something that you're not aware that you're really good at, you know, like I don't know, playing the harp or even the drums. I mean, my goodness me, if you're out there with all these hot cauldrons, there, there, there might be a, a sort of a drum drummer there somewhere. Yeah, maybe there's a hidden talent I haven't discovered yet. I know. You just don't know, do you? This this is a new business angle, serenading people from the rooftops. I, I like this. I'm going <laughs> to look into this. You, you, you watch, watch this space. You watch this space. Well, you did n mention that your grandfather... <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> and and I think you did mention that you you know your grandparents had a a sort of a Romeo and Juliet sort of aspect to their lives coming away, um, and you know possibly that serenading and balconies. I can I can see the story emerging here, Gavin. I think it would be a really really uh, wonderful story. <laughs> it is. I've I've got a I've got a famous Ashfelton uncle. And uh -huh. he, 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 he loved the Asheville and he, his name's Terry DiMario and um, very passionate about it. And he was asked, Terry, what, what on earth would you do if there was no such thing as Mastic Asheville? And yeah. he just straight faced returned and said, well, I would have invented it. And that was his answer. <laughs> he just, that's, that's, that's all he knew. Oh, it. wonderful. Oh, that's just amazing. So, um, you know, your grandparents started out in um, Kemp Town, which has changed over the years. Um, fascinating history there of Kemp Town. Do you do a lot of work in that area still? We do a lot of work there um, uh -huh. around the, the, the Sussex Square area and Chichester Terrace and all them beautiful white buildings. Uh -huh. well, on, on the back of them buildings is a million small flat roofs of every shape and size and uh you know very tricky to do and get to but um yeah that's that's where a lot of our work is our our yard used to be based in kemp town in um first in george street and then it moved to montague place and oh. um there's an old dairy yard there and um i find it interesting because a lot of the shops they're all modern with their facades and their signs but if you just take a step back and look up or look to the side you notice really old interesting bits of architecture and um yeah, it's it still holds its you know it still holds its appeal. The old buildings down there, it's very interesting. Uh, uh. Well, I we had we were having a meeting earlier this morning, and um, Jackie in our office came up with, oh well, you know what Kemp Town's other um, is also known as, and she said it's known as Baker's Bottom, and I just I had to laugh. I think we all <laughs> laughed, didn't we, James? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because. You know, I'm related to a family of bakers and butchers from Rottingdean. Um, and the bakers sort of, the, the how many is it? Um, the baker's dozen. Um, but apparently that is all to do with um, a low-lying piece of land. So I've learnt an awful lot, you know, just, just looking at researching 
Kemp Town, and it's such a beautiful place. It really is. Yeah, I've, I've always I've got a soft spot for uh, Kemp Town. Um, Are you still? What, do you still live there, or have you been tempted to a different part of Brighton and Hove? Um, I currently live in Hove at the moment. Currently live in Hove, but uh, I've always sort of dreamed of having a a flat or something down there overlooking the sea. It's a very nice mm -hmm. part yeah. of Brighton, so it's on my to-do list. <laughs> on your to-do list. <laughs> but do, do you really think that, you know, the various areas of Brighton and Hove differ hugely or just a little bit, or has it all sort of got rolled into one now? Well... There's a lot of similarities between the different areas. It's, a lot of old Brighton can be found if you look hard enough. But um, I guess the modern world has, has changed it a hell of a lot. But um, no, I do find it interesting just trying to, you know, just take a few seconds to look at a building or, you know, a piece of the scenery. And you, you'll, you'll find some, some real old interesting pieces. Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned social media earlier on when we first started talking Obviously, um, places like YouTube, um, even some of the other social media platforms um, give guides or videos on how to do roofing. What would you say about them? Uh, well, it's good. It's good to get an idea, um, uh -huh. you know, to see how, see how things happen. It's always, you know, it's always a good... A good tool, YouTube, if you're trying to solve a problem. But um, I, d I don't know about learning how to do roofing off uh, off of YouTube. Lots of people have done some of the new systems. That's how they actually teach you. You watch some YouTube videos, but uh, yeah, not not Mastic Asphalt. That's that's not you couldn't learn that from a YouTube video. <laughs> Well, I think I think perhaps from the other side that if they see how complicated it really is, you know, why would you want to go and have to buy the tools and the asphalt and the cauldrons and and everything else plus worry about the you know potential health and safety aspects it's almost like a yeah look at this and then go and get in touch with a with a specialist isn't it yeah yeah it is i agree yeah it's uh, it's not something you could just do overnight definitely not no it isn't most definitely not um james have you got any further questions you'd like to put to gavin um, no, I don't think I have. I think it's been fascinating, you know, and as I said earlier, I think, you know, that it's, it's, there's just so much that someone really needs to consider um, before they, you know, embark on, you know, agreeing a, 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 a quote from someone doing a flat roof and making sure that they're, you know, getting the right advice. I mean, it's... Uh, you know, and in Brighton Hove, you know, as we all know, there's so much different property types and, you know, different add-ons. And all, once water starts escaping and getting into the inside of the properties, um, it, 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 it's, uh, it's a nightmare. So um, it's really nice to speak to someone that, you know, really takes so much, uh, you know, pride in uh, their actual, you know, craft and skill. And it's, uh, it's, it's good, to, good to know that, you know, people are out there to give... Uh, people that need decent advice uh you know um the right advice because everyone says they're giving the right advice but actually it's not until you drill down and find out well actually was that really for the benefit of my roof or was that because it was a job someone wanted to get so you know i've really enjoyed it and it's uh it's it's, it's good to talk to you yeah okay thank you so thank you so much i'm so pleased to have had james duffy and a really entertaining guest gavin demario today but uh, gavin quickly can you give us just your contact details please 
Yeah, um, the website is uh, demarioashfield.com. Uh, you can just type Demario Roofing into Google and, and you'll be able to contact us. We're on all social media, LinkedIn and uh, Instagram. So very easy to find. It's a very distinctive name. So. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. So until next time, bye for now. Ciao. Bye. Bye, Kevin. Thank you. Bye. It's a house.